All righty, praise God. Family praise and worship. Don't apologize for any of it. Amen. We need to be a part of it, and they need to be a part of us. But right now, let's turn our Bibles to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter. We're going to be looking at, again, the uh, seven kingdom, foundational kingdoms that rule, dominate, and influence the world. Now, if you're here for the first time today, I apologize, but I won't be able to go back two months and begin to explain and pull this out of the scriptures for you. But I, you will get enough out of it to have faith. All right. Luke, the fourth chapter and verse 5. And the devil taketh him, Jesus, up into a high mountain and showeth unto him all the kingdoms. Somebody say plural. Plural. Of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give unto thee, and the glory of them, for they are, have been delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, and all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now we talked about where these kingdoms came from. They came from the foreknowledge of God. God gave Adam and Eve power and dominion in this earth, in the Garden of Eden. They were to subdue and to have dominion over all things. In God's foreknowledge, he looks because he knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, and he sees seven areas of influence and rule that shape culture and civilizations. And he sees them before the foundations of the earth. And he grants each one of these certain elements of power and glory. These seven kingdoms are the church. The church is not the kingdom. It is an expression of the kingdom of God. These here are thrones, but they are expressions of a God, a principality, or demonic power that is behind them that govern them. Remember, anybody that is in a kingdom reflects the Lord of that kingdom. That's why we are known by the fruits because Jesus is reflected through us. And so the first kingdom is the first representative of the kingdom is the church. The second is the family. The family is noted as a kingdom. The third is education. Education is a place of rule and influence that shapes culture and civilizations. The fourth is government. Governments shape and cultures and uh, uh, generations as well as civilizations. Finances is a kingdom that is ruled by demonic power. Entertainment and the media. Now, we have talked about the purpose of the kingdom or the representative of the kingdom of the church last week. Today, what we want to do is we want to talk to you about the kingdom of the family. The kingdom of the family is the most intensified 
kingdom that is under assault. It is under assault from the beginning of the Garden of Eden. And so we're going to be looking at that today. Now let's go to Ephesians 3, 14 through 15. We'll quickly look at uh, a couple of scriptures to verify that the family of God, that God believes in family. And it says, for this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. The kingdom of God, the family of God, the church is a part of the family of God. We are the people of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. Could I get an amen? So that means that we are in a family. The church is called the household of faith. It is the house of God. We are members one of another. We are in one body. We are individuals, yet we are corporately interwoven and dependent upon each other. We are the representative of God's family here on earth and in heaven. So the family of God doesn't end when we go to heaven. It is a part of its earthly family. And so someday we may talk about the uh, family factor in heaven. But today we're just talking about the family being a kingdom. It is dominated or ruled by certain powers. Parents are those that have been seated by God in the place of authority and rule in the family. Somebody say the parents. Contrary to most of what we see in grocery stores, in churches, in schools, in fairs, in family gatherings, children are not in charge. Yeah, they're not in charge. That is a topsy-turvy, perverted, demonic family structure. Now, Let's go to Revelation, I'll say this, but let's go back to Genesis 1.26 while you're turning there. Revelation 1.6 says that Jesus himself hath made us kings and priests. And so we are kings and priests unto our God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of the family is the basis of the rule of God on the earth. Listen to what I just said. The family element, the family kingdom is the very basis of the rule of God on the earth. Now I'm going to show that to you. In Genesis 1.26, do we have that? Genesis 1.26. And it says, and God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, 
God tells Adam and Eve to do what? Replenish the earth. Why does God establish headship or rule over the seed that is going to populate the world? Because without leadership in the family that God has commanded them to structure lies the revelation of God from one generation to another. When Satan attacks Adam and Eve, it is far more an attack against the basis of the family unit which affects the entirety of civilization and culture. If you want to destroy a culture, get the hearts of its youth. If you want to limit a kingdom, keep the youth from becoming a part. Now, here's a great reflection. Look at the Methodist Church. Look at the Lutheran Church. Look at the Catholic Church. Where is their future? If you look at Lutheran Church, Methodist Church, Catholicism, Catholic churches overall, you will see a dying church because there is not the generation following that generation into a discovery of God. No Methodist church or Lutheran church has to wonder if their doors are going to close. They just have to figure out when they are going to close. I'm just telling you. See, what the devil does is he plunders the youth, therefore destroying the family unit, thus stopping the spread of faith and the revelation of God. Now we understand why the family is under attack by education, government, even finances, entertainment, and media. Somebody would say, well, how is it under attack by the family? Oh, do you remember when your mama used to teach you and keep you at home and have a hot meal ready for you when you come home and your clothes were pressed and there was a family table and there was fellowship and your mother was one of the staple strengths of your household? But because of greed, which is born out of finances, everybody thought it'd be better if we gave them more. If we could give them more, if we would both work, we could have more. Who in here has child care? Who pays for child care? Does anybody? How much does it cost you per child? Wait, wait, come up here. How much? About 190 a week per child. No, you have two. That's 190 dollars. Now I'm 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 going to ask you very. 
How, how much you make? Fifteen. Do you need a place to live? No, no, <laughs> uh, no, no. But let, let's now she is certainly at one of the top runs of the ladder. But let's just say a woman that works at a factory and works makes twelve dollars an hour, thirteen dollars an hour, fourteen dollars, fifteen dollars an hour. Now you extract before she does it. How much is fourteen dollars times forty, Doctor Obalu? $460. Okay, thank you. Boy, you're quick. Just think, I could be operating on your patients. I could be doing 10 surgeries while you're doing one. Anyway, now, all right, so you got $464, but we got taxes out of that. How much are taxes? How much? How much you pay taxes? How much somebody pay taxes? About 7%. 7%? Is that right? Where do you work? Oh, I see you don't work. All right, good. So how much is it? About a third of your income. So $464, mathematical wizard, how much is that? $164 from $460. How much does that leave me? Roughly $296. Now, now I have to take out $192, $190 a week. How much do I have I left out of my money? You already said $12 she needs. Yeah, I already got the $460. We took her up to $14 an hour. Pay attention, sweetheart. Now, now we're down to uh, $296. Okay. Take away $190. $106. Oh, but now we have to have two cars. Got to have two cars. Look, we just cannot be the white trash rubbish of our neighborhood and only have one car. We got to have two. How much does a car cost per week? How much does it cost a month? Can we get a car for $100 a month? Well, yeah, we can go to cash and carry or pay and buy or steal and drive. So, so we got $6 left. Now, we don't have any insurance. And, you know, who cares as long as we don't get caught? We're safe and we're believing God that we're going to make it. Now, this doesn't have to do with lunches, don't have to do with extra clothes you've got to buy, don't have to do with much of anything. But in your mind, you think you are prospering your family. You need to tally up how much you think you're making. And you are showing up for work anyway. Hallelujah. I don't charge you nothing for watching them rugrats. Now, now, what I'm trying to show you is this. All the devil has done through this financial kingdom of greed is weaken the family, indebt it into a place that it has never been before. Debt is higher among two working people than it has ever been in the history of America. Now, I know you're saying, oh, I want to hear the gospel. I'm giving you what you need to hear about the gospel. I'm telling you that this family structure is being eroded by a demonic strategy against the church. Now, we have to understand that we raise our children in the admonition, nurture the Lord, Ephesians 6.1, down through 4. But what if we take out the primary teacher of the household? The wife. Now... We are in trouble. 
Now we don't have an instructor at home. Now we have a worn out sweetheart that comes home and tries to do it all. Now the men aren't stressed by this double thing because they come home, plop themselves down in the couch and say, honey, when's supper going to be ready? But the woman's got to work. She's got to come home. She's got to bathe kids. She's got to help with homework. She's got to cook. She's got to do all this kind of stuff. But the man mows the yard. If the wife didn't do it through the day. Now, what we have is a weary woman trying to juggle not only her natural life, not only her love life, not only her husband's needs, which are usually bigger than 10 kids, and her children's needs and the spiritual needs of her household. I want to tell you something, that's tough. Now, why did all this come about? It came about because whosoever you submit your members to, you become the servant of. When Adam and Eve sinned, they sold out humanity to the dominion of sin. It was the family that they imprisoned in the garden. Come on, could I get an amen? Now remember that God is a father. He is a family-oriented God. He never changes. Father is not a new entitlement to God in the New Testament. He's been known as the father of Israel from the very beginning. He always has been and always will be. He has never been anything but a father. And so we have to understand that even in God's very nature, the family structure is the crutch of his revelation to us and his, our revelation of him to the world. So if we can destroy the family unit, we can destroy the generational, perpetual revelation of God to the coming generation that will inhabit and rise up and fulfill God's will through the church. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. And look, I know that we all love our children, but the bottom line is when we both work, I'm just telling you, it's tough. And this is nothing but the plan of the devil. Now, so we have this family that is under attack. Somebody say, it's under attack. Because it is under attack attack. It is under attack. What does television advertise towards? Advertise towards your kids. How about McDonald's, Burger King? What restaurant does it go after your children? Hey, kids eat here free. They know you're going to pay for yourself. Yeah, you, you think, oh, oh boy, that's a great deal. It's padded into the cost. Yeah, it's all padded into the cost. Listen, we might as well realize that what is happening is our culture is being shaped not only by the family, but even by the desire for finances to be extracted from the family. See, we think we can buy time. Well, I don't have time to, to cook tonight, so I'll buy it and I'll get an hour ahead. No, your supper costs you 35 bucks I went to a restaurant the other day. Phyllis and I went to Red Lobster. She said, oh, honey, let's go to Red Lobster. Oh, yeah, she talked me into it. Well, $75 later, I said, this ain't happening again. 
for two of us. We didn't feed the next table. We fed just our table. I told Phil, slow down. I'm telling you, I hear the money going up. No, she just kept ordering, ordering, eating, eating, eating. Buddy, the shellfish is back there saying, help us, help us. And I'll tell you what, she's eating it, buddy. I'm telling you, shelling off. And, and, and let me tell you, $75 later. And they got a price for the tip. I'm thinking, tip, don't come back. That's half a child care. I could buy a car for what I'd eat at Red Lobster one day a week. Man, I told Phyllis, but we ain't come back here. She said, boy, you got that right. And she was paying course you can't you know I was worth the cost anyway just to be a just to be an arm trophy hallelujah and now I, I don't know what somebody else took but you know what I don't know you don't I don't make 75 dollars now now I think we all take a vote on that right now now that you see the price of food going up we now you realize people don't make that kind of money you, you can't buy time back you can't buy time missed with your family back. You can't do it. So the family is under assault. And the devil understands the kingdom laws that everything will produce after its own kind. And if he can strategize and stress out the family, get their motives or their projections on finances only, what he's going to do is he is going to erode their time and their commitment to walking with God. That's going to happen. And so, ultimately, we're going to find ourselves separated from God or being taught in a lackadaisical way because people that are weary lose their focus on where they're going. Amen. Amen. Now, Satan's first attack against man was not just, please, against sin. It was against all of the unknown, unidentified seed that Adam and Eve would give place to. Now let's go to Genesis 17, 17. So we, we want to understand that the family is a kingdom. It is under or to be under the rule of a husband and a wife, of parents. And I know that sometimes this, this gets difficult because of divorces that happen in the kingdom. And this is because the devil will seek to divide to destroy, to cause confusion and division. Amen? And so people create seeds after themselves that have been divided. I think it's like 20% chance of a child that goes through divorce that they will ever live with one spouse all of their life. But in the church, it can happen. Amen. Amen. Use your faith for it and let it happen. Now, in Genesis 17, 17 says this, Then Abraham fell upon his face and he laughed and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Here, and, all right, and it says in this, And Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son, and indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. 
and I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant with his seed after him. Now here we see that God is going to make a covenant. But he makes a covenant with a spiritual seed, not just a natural seed. Could again, amen. Ishmael is a representative of the natural seed, but Isaac is a revelation of a spiritual seed. Now, we as Christians must realize that we are not to raise our children as God or his mother, Hagar, raised Ishmael. We are to raise them the way that Isaac was raised, which was in the ways of God. Amen? You're right. Hallelujah. So as we do this, we understand that God will perpetuate faith from generation to generation. Here's what God says of Abraham. Stevie says, I know Abraham. He will teach his children in the ways that I would have them go. See, that's what God expects of every parent. See, you can teach them a skill, and that's great. You can teach them how to play baseball, that's great. Teach them how to fish, that's great. But if you don't teach them about God, they will never survive life in its totality. They'll never find Jesus, and they'll end it with an endless eternity without God. That is not God's desire for our children. Could I get an amen? So God expects us to be like Abraham, that we are to teach our children the ways of the Lord. And if we will teach our children the ways of the Lord, guess what? Then they'll walk in those ways, and they will not depart from them when they get older. Remember that Abraham had come out of an idolatrous generation. His father was a high priest of an idolatrous nation. You can find that in uh, Genesis, the 11th chapter. But Abraham had an encounter with God. You, as Christians, have had an encounter with God. Now, let's not raise our children the way that we were raised, but let's raise them the way that God is instructing us now. Amen. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So God's plan is that we, he starts with a family. He starts with a family. When Joseph went to Egypt, later his father, Jacob, came with 70 souls. That were 12 sons, daughter-in-laws, and their families. Seventy souls entered into a land of Egypt, a land of idolatrous worship. But God used Joseph to change the hearts of Pharaoh. Pharaoh loved Joseph and adapted his form of worship. God brings family into Egypt. And what does he do? He transforms the whole nation. He transforms the nation. In other words, when God brings them in in 70, they leave in the millions. Could I get an amen? So, and when they leave, what do they leave with? Somebody say a mixed multitude. In other words, lots of people believed in the God of the Israelites. But God used the family element. 
Joseph and Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons to change a nation. And I believe that God can use family units today to change a world. Amen? Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. I see David's grandkids. I see, you know, serving God, worshiping God. Though his son has not realized it yet, he's coming to Christ. Amen. He just doesn't know how saved he's going to be. Amen. But his children serve the Lord. That's, right. That's amazing. And it says, And the word which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently, diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them while thou settest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. Now, what was Israel supposed to do? Somebody say, teach their children the way of God. Absolutely. Now, go to Deuteronomy 31 and verse 12. Deuteronomy 31 and 12. I'm headed here. I, I just wanted, I'm just getting ready to show you some stuff. And it says this. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Notice what it said. Back up just a second. And it says, because when you do this or teach, when they hear, they shall learn and fear the Lord Whose God? Yours. Now, get the concept. God gives us a secret right now. When you let your children listen to nothing but video games, watch nothing but television, hear what they're teaching them in school, guess whose God they're going to serve? They're not going to serve your God. Oh, yeah, they're going to church. Devils come to church. I'm, I'm just telling you, there's more in here than I'd like. And if you left yours in the foyer, they'd probably be out there. Now, what is the, what is the law that is here? When they hear, they will serve. Your television is not a substitute for your voice. Them doing video games for hours is not a substitute for growing in the Lord. Understand, we have got to be involved in raising our children, but if we turn them over to other teachers or other venues of information, listen, they're going to turn in to something that we don't want them to turn in. Well, how can I stop it? You have to let them hear from you. You've got to hear, they've got to hear a voice of somebody that knows God. Because when they hear, they will be taught, they will fear, they will honor their reverence, they'll give God His acclaim in their life, and they will serve your God. That's what we want to do to raise our children. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. 
So, now let's go back to it. Let's go to verse 13. And then it says this. 13, there you go. And that their children which have not known anything may hear. Look at that. They don't know anything, not learned anything. They will learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land whether you go over Jordan to possess it. You know, we can convert a generation. I'm telling you, we can change a generation. But it begins with us transforming those that are in our house. I don't know how many times Nikki has been called to the uh, little learning center saying, please, tell your kids, quit telling everybody, Santa Claus is dead. They get everybody crying. Well, well that, that's okay. Please, don't, don't, you're, you're destroying their God. That's what they think Christmas is. It's all about Santa Claus and gifts, and it's not about that. Now, I don't, I don't like Santa Claus. I, I don't want to do with, get away with the gifts yet, but I, we have to tell people what the true reason is. Now, God has used the family. Now, why does God give us children? This is a great one. Go to Psalms 127 and verse 3. This is why God gives us children, fellas. Remember, these kingdoms right here can be, according to Deuteronomy, I mean Exodus, the third chapter, 7 through 9, those six kingdoms that were in the land of Canaan that had to be overthrown, they had to be assaulted, and we went to war with them. Psalms 127, verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Now, we are here, but we have been enabled with a generation. What is this generation? God is a man of war. And David says in 2 Samuel 22, he teaches my hands to war. What does God do? He teaches us to war, but he doesn't teach us with weapons of destruction or anything. What he teaches us to war with, to show you what it is all about, he teaches us to war with our offspring. Our offspring are to be prepared for war, to assault these kingdoms so that they can be taken and returned to their rightful owner. That's our generations. They are arrows. Here's what one man said in 1877. On the corner of Biglow and Maine in New York, it says, to arms, to arms, you soldiers. The trumpet call obey. Arise from dreamy slumber to watch, fight, and pray. To arms, to arms, you soldiers. The trumpet call obey. With Jesus as our leader, we'll surely win the day. Tis not to rest nor to banquet. Of proud parade we go. The fight of faith is fiercer than any worldly world warrior would know. Again the powers of darkness with fearful craft and rage. Our heavenly captain calls us to wage a war today. We'll bless thee for battle, 
We'll glory in the strife. We'll shout at the call of the trumpet. We will win eternal life. God is calling us to arms to take a generation. We're not going to pick up sword. We're not going to pick up this. But we are wise enough to understand that if we educate our offspring, they are forces that these kingdoms will have to reckon with. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So they're going to have to be reckoned with. And God is calling us to arms not only to protect our families, not only to protect our families, not only to protect our families. How do you get them from being persuaded to worship other gods? Cover their ears and shelter their eyes. You say, well, a little cussing doesn't hurt. I understand that a little cussing probably doesn't hurt the ignorant. But the Bible says that ungodly conversation increases the more ungodliness. In other words, one seed leads to another seed. Corruption breeds corruption. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. When Paul was looking for a son to take his place, to continue to fight against the principalities, the powers of darkness, and so forth, he chose Timothy and he said this, I have looked at the faith of your grandmother and your mother, Lois and Eunice, and I am deeply persuaded that the faith that is in them is now in you. Is now in you. The faith that you once had when you first got saved. I know you were irritating to everybody around you. I know people thought you had lost your marbles. I know people at work kind of drifted away from you. Your friends kind of went on down the road. Some of your family said, man, they're just like over on the deep end. But please, by the mercies of God, I beseech you, restore that faith and pass it on to your children because they will not survive with anything less. Amen? Hallelujah. We need to rise up and be what God wants us to be. Hallelujah. I'll have to end it right there. Let's rise up. Let's let our children, our children, glory, you have grandchildren serving God. Great-grandchildren serving God, Lord Jesus. There goes that 39 theory, hallelujah. We have children serving God. Your father-in-law and mother-in-law were Christians. Your mother was a Christian. They found her in her chair with a cup of coffee, reading her Bible. She had passed away. What a way to go. Hey, any way is better than the devil's way. Your mother was a Christian. Your mother was a Christian. Here, now you are, your children are being greatly influenced. 
I've heard them talk. But it doesn't matter what we're going through. We're going to come out of it. We're going to do this just like we did the one before. All of us. Bob, you have children. You have grandchildren serving God. Serving God. Rick, your mother is hoping you will serve the Lord. And <laughs> Ben, your brothers are saved. You're raising your son. The admonition, nurture the Lord. That is the heritage of the righteous. That is the heritage of the righteous. We need our children. I'm going to show you how God has imprinted them to rule in one of these kingdoms. Not next week. Next week is a week I get my doctorate. A robe and all that kind of stuff. And so, but... But after that, I'm going to teach you how before the foundations of the earth, God, you will see very plainly the stamp of God for an eternal purpose to rule one of these kingdoms. It is just boldly in our face, and we've never seen it. So we are going to start raising our children. Amen? You know, I remember Nikki. She used to cry, oh, my. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. So I made her tapes. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. We started quoting them. Put them on the wall. Then we started putting them on cassette tape. Every half an hour, 45 minutes, I'd hear it click off, get up, go in, turn it on again, on again, and on again. Then she got so like, oh, I'm not afraid of nothing. She, we'd come home, the door be wide open out in the middle of the country, and she's in her bedroom some I think, my word, don't, people could break in. Well, I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid. You could break this stuff. Let's start putting stuff in their ears at night. They're listening to something. Just put something in their ear at night. Start preaching to them. David, make a cassette tape, or I guess that's too far back. Make a CD. Say, Landon, you are a child of God. You are the seed of the righteous. You will walk in righteousness. You will love righteousness. You will always honor righteousness. You will walk in the path of God. You'll walk in wisdom. It will lead you in the paths of good men. Landon, you will never desire to see evil. You will only desire to do good, see good, and reap good. God will meet every one of your needs, Landon, wherever you go. Landon, I'm telling you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Landon, you are always the head, not the tail. No matter where you go, God will deliver you as he did Daniel out of the lion's den. No weapon formed against you, Landon, will ever prosper. You will be clothed with favor. It will pave a way for you. You will be an educated man with the strength and the might of God upon you. You will always be armored for the battles to come. Landon, you will always be a deliverer and a rescuer and extension of God's hand. Brandon, Landon, you will always preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will never fear the face of men nor their voices. God will always protect you. God will make a way where there is no way. Put it in your kids. Put it in your kids. Amen. Put it in there. Tell them who they are before the devil tries to pervert them from who they are and to make them his servants. Amen. Praise God. Stand to your feet today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we are the greatest generation. 
God said at an appointed time, Paul was born. You and I were born at an appointed time. In other words, God calculated our days. He calculated our gifts. He calculated our faith and our dedication. He doesn't see the times that we get weak and we waver and we draw back because he believes the very best. God saw our strength. He put arrows into our hands because we are soldiers of the cross. He put us arrows in our hands because we are people of war. We are encouraged to fight a battle born out of love and of faith. We are not content to be free ourselves. We are discontent until the world is saved. God believes in us. He gives us seed to change these kingdoms, to take back which rightful belonged to God and to man. We are that generation. We have given birth to a generation of warriors, prepared arrows ready for battle. All they need is to be fed faith, a revelation of God. Dust off your faith. Just dust it off. Pick it up and say, God, I, I might have been napping. I might have fell asleep, but God, I'm awakened now and let me rise to righteousness. Begin to get intense again. Iron sharpens iron. Let the faith that you have permeate your home. That it saturates your children like it did Timothy. That people will see your children are the offspring of people of faith. Hallelujah. God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that we are a generation that no one has ever been like before. We are a generation marked by you. Our seeds are tattooed for an invasion to the kingdom of darkness. That God, they will be taken. That our culture, our civilizations shall be reshaped. That they will hear, be transformed, fear, and serve our God. God, we thank you for it. I ask you to bless every individual that is here, every household, every family, God, every business, God. Bless it, enlarge it, deepen it, God. God, I loose right now favor and blessing upon them. God, keep them until we come together again in the house of the Lord under the name of our God. God, let us continue to pray, beseech you, Lift our brothers and sisters up that, God, they will see victory in their life. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.